Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, it's New Year's. It's a new decade. How many of you never thought you would live to see 2020? No one wants to admit it. It seems so far away, right? We're closer to 2050 than we are to, like, the 80s. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty astounding when you stop and think about uh, some of you have lived through so much of the past dec- past century, and also now we're 20 years into this decade. Uh, what is it about a new year or a new decade that, causes us to start thinking about changes in our lives, right? It's just an arbitrary date on the calendar. There's not really anything different from December 31st, 2019 to January 1st, 2020 in most of our lives. Not a whole lot shifts when the hits midnight and the fireworks don't work at the Space Needle. Uh, interesting enough... The the first New Year's that we were here, I'm, some of you probably remember this, was the first, after we came back from Michigan, was we, we moved here, like, we got here December 30th, 2007, and so we had New Year's 2008 here, and do you remember those fireworks? Those were the ones where it just, like, malfunctioned, and there was just, like, one firework shooting off the side of the Space Needle. But not a whole lot changes on that date, right? But but there's something about the changing of the year, and we do this with our with birthdays as well. There's something about the changing of the year that causes us to pause and and to reflect and to think about New Year's resolutions or changes that we want to make in our life. Maybe we won't call it a resolution, but somehow it's we we look back on the year that has come or or the decade that has that has passed and the changes in our lives, and we look forward to to what is to come and think about how do we want our lives to be different. It's, it's a time where it's a time for a fresh start, oftentimes. And, it, and there's not really anything different, but because of the marking of time that we, that we do in our calendars, we often use the state. I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with making resolutions. Sometimes I, I do. Last year, I, I had a resolution to learn how to make bread, which I did which was pretty exciting. It was pretty exciting for my family. They really enjoyed the the fruits of that. But other times I just, uh, New Year's coming and I think, I don't know, I just try to keep doing what I'm doing. And other times it's like December, it's early December and I start thinking, oh yeah, I'd, I'd like to, maybe I should start doing that. And then I think, well, why am I waiting until January 1st to start, like, why don't I just start doing it now? And so that, that usually that, that happens for me is is, yeah, I'll, I'll start like mid-December and then everything gets thrown off because I'm not marking it in the same way. But, so so the new year is an opportunity for us to do this, but it also can be sometimes frustrating to to be marking a new year and, and to see, to think back on maybe a resolution that we made the year before that we didn't keep, or we start seeing and comparing our lives to the lives of others and and sometimes it's an opportunity to say, yes, like this is what I want to be different about myself. But sometimes it can be discouraging 
Sometimes we, a new year, and can, can be a moment in which we become more acutely aware of the ways that we're not succeeding in what we set out to do. Uh, it's a time that our imperfections can get highlighted. And we look at other people and we compare ourselves to others. Uh, I came across a psalm. This is a song that we sing occasionally in church, or we, we sing some of the words from this song. Psalm 84. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 84. There's a psalm here that, that I've been familiar with because of the song mostly for a while. And it presents both uh, an ideal, but it also presents a reminder of perhaps of the way, at least for me, areas where I I see what the psalmist is saying here, and I say, well, that doesn't really ring true from my experience. And and so let's let's open in prayer, and then we'll read our psalm together. God, as we gather together as a as a church family, we we have been gathering here in this place for for over fifty years, and we're here in a new year. And we're reminded that you are a God who is always with us. We've celebrated that this past season with Christmas. And we know that there is no one particular place that you are always with us wherever we are. But we gather as your church in this place particularly each week to be reminded and to remember. And so as we begin a new year together, as we begin 2020 together, may we once again be reminded of who you are and who it is that you have called us to be in the world. May we commit anew to serving you, and as we open your word today, may we hear what it is that you have to say to us so that we may be changed. We pray this in your name. Amen. So Psalm 84. I'll just read, I'll read the whole thing here. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And I read this psalm, and I came across this psalm again a couple weeks ago. I was, I was reading over it. And there's, there's some truth that I connect with in this psalm. There is a longing for the presence of God that the psalmist talks about. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. We talked about this at the beginning of our Advent season, this longing that we all feel. We don't always know how to name it, but this longing that we all feel for the presence of God. 
and to know God. And we share that. I think, I think all of us, even if we don't, if we don't put words to it, we share that longing. But the difference, I think, between this psalmist and certainly my experience, and I think for a lot of us, is that it seems like the psalmist knows what to do with that longing and knows how to find God's presence. And so for him, as, as he writes, he talks about entering into the courts of the Lord. And this is a psalm that most likely is describing this, this what probably would have been sung as the, the people of Israel were journeying towards the temple of God. And they, they knew if we are heading towards the temple, this is the place where we together as a community will experience God's presence. And so he talks about this pilgrimage that, that they're making. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim way, on, on pilgrimage. But I don't know about you, but for me, oftentimes, the spiritual life or just life in general can feel a little bit more like wandering in the wilderness than a, than a pilgrimage. It can feel like we're just figuring it out day to day. And, and the, the language of pilgrimage seems like we know where we're going and we know how to get there. But oftentimes in life, in our relationship with God, but really just in our lives, it can feel like we're just figuring it out one day at a time. And we feel more lost than moving forward. And so when I read Psalm 84 and I think about New Year's resolutions and I think about comparing what I wish were true about my life towards the reality. And I, and I ask this question, the longing is there, but how do we find it? How do, what are the, what are some ways that we can find God's presence? That as we set out together in a new decade, in a new year as a church, what are the ways in which we journey into God's presence? So I think there are two ways one of which we've just been talking about in this Christmas season. So, John says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is the Christmas story that we have been celebrating for the last month. This idea that for the psalmist in Psalm 84, his understanding and how he knew to find God was the temple. But what John tells us is that the temple was no longer a building, but it was now a man. The word of God made his dwelling among us. And the language here, this, this word dwelling, is, is actually this word tented among us. And it's the same language that was used in the Old Testament to describe the tent of God. Before the temple was built, the tabernacle was this tent that the people would carry around wandering in the wilderness on their pilgrimage, and the tent was the place where God dwelt. And what John is telling us is that the word of God became flesh and blood and made his dwelling among us. So the first way in which we find God's presence is Christ. But Christ, if you haven't noticed, is not physically here with us right now, right? Yes? Yeah, okay, good. 
We, so we celebrate this, the story of Christmas and the story of incarnation. And it points us to this idea that Christ became flesh, that God became flesh and lived among us. And here is now a way in which we have experienced God's presence. The rest of this verse says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Later on, John writes in 1 John, he talks about that which we have seen with our eyes that our hands have touched. This, this presence of God was here with us, among us. And John, one of the disciples, writes about, we, we saw him, we touched him, we interacted with God's presence. So how do we find Christ today? How do we learn about Christ? How do we, how do we have relationship with God? How do we come into God's presence today? Well, here's what Jesus said about himself when he was here. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. The scriptures, all of them, from Genesis through Revelation, point us and reveal God to us, and particularly reveal Christ to us. It's not by coincidence, I don't think, that that John, when he's referring to Jesus, refers to him as the word of God. The word of God is how we know Jesus. And so the first thing I think as we think about this year, what does it mean to step into God's presence? How do we go from a wandering to a pilgrimage? Is to intentionally engage God's word. To read it. To make a practice of, of going back to scripture and learning from it. We, every year, we, we put together Bible reading plans, an opportunity for you to read through the Bible in a year. They're available in the, in the narthex if you want. You could read together with the community, all of us together reading through the same plans. But for some of us, and we've talked about this before, for some of us, trying to sit down and, and commit to reading the entire Bible in a year is, let's be honest, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, we set these, these are sometimes can be one of those New Year's resolutions that we set and we desire to do with the best of intentions, but we're not in the habit of doing it. And so to think of reading all Genesis through Revelation is, is too much. And maybe, maybe this is your experience. This has certainly been mine in the past. You have set out to read the Bible and you, with great intentions, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year and you get a day behind. And then you get two days behind. And all of a sudden you're a week behind. And you think, okay, well, I gotta, well I'm never going to have time to sit down and read a whole, catch up a whole week. And before you know it, you've given up. And the next year comes around and you think, okay, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Oh, no, I'll probably, I'm going to get stuck again. I probably am not going to do it. And we just don't, we decide not to do it. And so if this is you, if this is, a, if this feels like an experience that you've had before, I would encourage you to, you don't have to read the whole Bible in a year. If, if that is the barrier, there's, there's nothing in, in the Bible that says, well, if you're a really good Christian, you'll read the whole thing this year. It, it's not, it's not a requirement, but, but to go back to scripture and to learn from it, even if it's just one story a day, one chapter a day. Just just pick up the New Testament and start with that. 
Pastor Jim has joked with me before. I say, and I've said, if you get, if the thing that keeps you from reading the Bible is that you get stuck in Leviticus, because Leviticus is hard, and that's the thing that keeps you from reading the Bible because you just, you can't get through it, then skip Leviticus. And it's not that Leviticus isn't important. Leviticus has tons of great things in it. But if, if that's the thing that's keeping you from reading God's word this year, then don't do it. Skip that part. If, if you get stuck in the genealogies, it's okay to skim through it. There's important things that we can find in those things. But it's better to be reading daily. Find a translation that works for you. It doesn't have to be something that is as literal as you can read you can read a paraphrase but going back to god's word so that we can know christ the point of it is not just to read it to read it but to to know christ through his word and so the first thing that i want to encourage us all with this year is to read god's word so that we may know christ that we may walk into his presence on a daily basis. If you can't do it, if you miss a day, it's okay to just skip whatever it is that you've missed and get and start with the other thing. It's it's more important to be reading it some than to be reading the whole thing. And ideally we're learning and as a church community we're reading the whole thing. It's not that some parts aren't important. But it's important that if if we're getting stuck on something, it's more important that we go back and we start again then we just give up. So I encourage you this year, if, if you want to do a full year reading plan, they're in the back. If I think this Old and New Testament, so you could just do the New Testament part. You could just do, just read a, a chapter of John a day through the rest of the month and, and then start with something else. It doesn't have to be a plan. You just pick it up and read it. So first, how do we enter into God's presence? We read God's word in order to know Christ. Secondly, Paul tells us this. Paul says, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So, the psalmist in Psalm 84 is talking about this journey to the temple to know God's presence. John tells us that Christ is the tabernacle among us, made his dwelling among us. But Paul tells us that those of us who have put our trust in Jesus have the Holy Spirit in us, and we are the temple of God. That God's presence is in us and among us. You are the temple of God. I am the temple of God. We, as a community, are the temple of God. We are the place where God has chosen to make his presence known here on earth. This is not a metaphor that Paul uses. He's, he's explaining to the people. He says this multiple places, particularly in Corinthians, which is significant, I think, because the, the Corinthian church, if you know anything about it, was not a very not a very righteous church, I guess. They're not the ones that you say, oh, yeah, that's a really good Christian church. Uh, they had all kinds of problems. But Paul reminds them again 
and again, you, you are the temple of God. You are the place, we are the place where God has chosen to make his presence known here in this world today. And you start to think, like, really? Is that how God really works? Is that really what he would do? Like, me, as a, as a temple of God, as a place where God makes... Yeah, I mean, think about this. Oftentimes, I think those of us that are... I don't know, that, that want to find God's presence. Oftentimes, I think the places that we often think of today might be like a building, a church, or oftentimes we, we, you're on vacation and you see like just an amazing, you're just in this beautiful place and this amazing sunset or sunrise or you're out in the mountains and you say, it's clear you can see God's creation and God's presence here in this place. God's hand working. And God is everywhere. God, the, the psalmist knew this, that the temple was a place where he would go and find God's presence, but he knew that God was, was everywhere. And for John, he knew that God was everywhere, but that God particularly was known in Christ. And we know today that God is everywhere. We, we can see God's hand in all kinds of places, but God particularly makes himself known in us in you, in me. And he started to think, like, okay, that may be true for some people, but, like, really, me? Is this, is God really, like, in all of my imperfections and my weaknesses, how is it possible that God would choose, possibly, to make himself known in me, in you? We, you, all of us as individuals probably know more of our own weaknesses and failings and imperfections and to say, like, really, God, is that how you want to make your presence known in the world through me? But this is exactly what we have been talking about for the past month with Christmas. We've been emphasizing over and over again the humility in which God made his presence known, in this small, weak child. This is how God works. Look at the story of Scripture, how many times God works through the weak and the imperfect, the humble, the small, the insignificant, the unnoticed. Me and you. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at what Paul says to the same church to which he said, you are the temple of God. To the same church that is full of sinful people, imperfect people. He says this in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not 
to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God chose you to be his presence on earth. And Paul says, God particularly chose the weak and the foolish, which I'm sure you probably, I mean, if you're the Corinthians, you're like, hey, thanks a lot, Paul. But God, this is how God works. He chooses not just the great and the powerful, but he chooses the small and the insignificant. And he chose you to be his presence. He chose you. And again, if you're like me, oftentimes I'm sitting in, in a room like this and I'm hearing a sermon like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I guess that's true. God chose all of these people around me to be God's presence. But God also chose you. It's not just about the other people, but hear these words that God is working in you to be his presence on earth. God chose you. And I don't know about you, but it's easy sometimes in our, in our world to look at the the famous people who are Christians, right? We all get excited about Russell Wilson being very open about his faith. He wins a game and, or he loses a game. Hopefully he wins today. But we, we get excited that here's, here's a man who has a platform. He's a celebrity and he's proclaiming God through that platform. And that's great. But God doesn't primarily do his work in the world through people like Russell Wilson. It's great that he's out there doing that, but he also, and I would say primarily, is doing his work in the world through people like us. People that nobody outside of our own little community knows who we are. We're not celebrities. We're not super famous. We're just regular people living our lives, going to work. And these are the people, you are the people, we are the people that God has said, I will dwell among you. I will live in your midst and I will make my name known to the world through you. And sometimes we look to those famous people to be the ones that are the face. But we are the face of God to the world. Look again what Paul says. It says, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul isn't saying all of these things about God, we are the temple, to make us feel more important about ourselves but to point us to the work that God is doing in the world and to point us to the reality that this is the story of God, that throughout history, look at the Old Testament, how many, there's so few people 
that are the kings that are the ones that God is choosing to use. We started our Advent story on David. And it wasn't the oldest, it wasn't the firstborn that God called to be king. It was the youngest, it was the most insignificant of all of Jesse's family. The one that wasn't even worth being called in for the feast. And I hope that you hear this message as you begin a new year. As you think about what it is that you're doing on a, on a daily basis, as we think towards what it means to be on a pilgrimage rather than wandering. And to recognize that, that you are a part of this community and everyone else is a part of your community, that we find God's presence through one another. And this is why, as a church, we're committed to reading Scripture together. Because it's not just one person's understanding of Scripture that points us back to Christ, but all of us commit to gathering each week to study and learn and be a part of a community in which God's presence is being revealed to us through the lives of each other. This is how we move from a wandering to a pilgrimage. We do it through engaging God through his word. And we do this not in isolation, not as individuals, but as all of us together. Because God has chosen to make his presence known in all of us together. So for me, as I think about New Year's resolutions and I think about what does it mean to be on this pilgrimage, here's the commitment that I am hoping to make this year, to be reminded of. Uh, I, I want to be a person who, as a pastor, it's really easy to read the Bible, but it's sometimes hard to read the Bible without and have it not be your job. So I'm, I'm committing myself, and you can hold me to this, to, to read the Bible and not ever plan a, a sermon around anything that I'm reading through, the, through that particular time. But I'm also committed. Committed that when I look in the faces of all of you here, when I look at myself, that I can say, I can say to each of you and say to God and about myself and about each one of you, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. God, you have chosen us. Here on this corner in Shoreline, gathering each week, you've chosen us to be a people who are proclaiming your name and bearing witness to who you are to this world. The hope for this world is not in governments, it's not in politicians. 
It's not in celebrities. The hope for this world, God, is in you. And you have chosen to make yourself known in us. As your church, may we be a people who shine forth your presence in this world. May it be said of us in this year that the Lord is in our midst. May we proclaim and worship as we see your hand in one another and in our, in our own lives. May we proclaim how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord God Almighty. A blessing and a prayer for us as we begin a new year together. May we know God's presence this year. May our wanderings turn towards pilgrimage together. May we commit to knowing God through his word again. And may we commit to knowing God through one another. May we commit to one another this year to serve together, to love one another, to care for one another, to be a part of this journey, not as individuals, but all of us together following after our Lord. Happy New Year.